You're listening to Face Off, episode 120, recorded May 8th, 2011. Welcome to Face Off, your face-to-face web technology podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jade Robbins. And I am your other host, Mark Sanborn. In this podcast, Mark Sanborn, my other host, we talk about web technology, such as web development, social media, and web entrepreneurship. As always, you can get the show notes for this episode with the links and everything, because you're going to want them by going to faceoffshow.com. All right, Mark, so uh, some exciting news. I'm actually, uh, I've probably talked about this on the show, I don't travel a whole lot, you know, I don't get around a whole lot, I don't, uh, I think I li- I've left the state of Montana maybe twice in the past like two years and that was to go to like CES and then uh, a couple other trips so uh, really excited on it tomorrow I am flying out to Pennsylvania uh, to Penn State I'm going to go to a conference about uh, administration of OS 10 computers and it should be pretty exciting so how long are you going to be there I'm going to be there all week. It's it's a whole day of flying because uh, I'm coming out of Bozeman and going into it's uh, in State College Pennsylvania which is a, a town that it is pretty much just holds Penn State University, <laughs> Pennsylvania <laughs> State. So, uh, and, and so it's basically like you know I have uh, four flights each time, or you know, and it's like uh, so basically all day of flying, uh, Monday and Friday, and then the conference is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Nice. You'll have to yeah. let us know how that goes. I'm sure I'm excited. There's a lot of talk about like, uh, so, you know, it, Windows administration, as far as like, you know, bulk administration for an enterprise or or university, like what I do, uh, is, is, is pretty drilled down. It's been around for a long time. You know, you've got Active Directory, which is great configuration management. People love it. Uh, and the Mac has been sort of this interesting, interesting challenge, especially like where we work. What we're trying to do is dual boot uh, all of our, you know, every Mac computer that we have so that we can have, you know, people have the option for OS 10, which if they really need it, but the majority of users are still using Windows. Uh, so we can't take up too much space. And so it, I'm, I'm excited to see what products and solutions they have for things like that, because it's an interesting problem. You, you're definitely duplicating your effort. Uh, so it should be it should be exciting though. I, I love conferences, and uh, hopefully this year we'll be able to go to another conference for Face Off, not for my job, uh, like a programming conference or something. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, like Big Omaha, LessConf, RubyConf, whatever's you know around. I'm down for it all. <laughs> Entrepreneurship, web technology, programming, whatever. Yeah. So if three. you've heard any of any good conferences you think we should check out. Uh, let us know. Go to the feedback side of the website. We'd love to hear about the good conferences out there. Like Mark said, we're interested in, in business comps, you know, uh, management comps for like managing programmers, uh, programming conferences, anything. Uh, let us know all the good stuff out there because we want to try and check it out and go to it. Uh, and with that in mind, actually, uh, I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Agile Task. Agile Task is your dead simple task management application. It's lightweight. You can earn achievements while you do your work. And if you want, we have an API so you can build your own applications. Get started. It only takes about seven seconds. Go to agiletask.me. All right, let's get into our geek tools. We've got, uh, help me here with this, uh, the Vic <laughs> Firth Pump and Grind Stainless Steel Pepper Grinder. Okay, so... Uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the show before. I love pepper. Uh, it's it's easily my favorite spice. I mean, I, I like salt, but really, I put a lot of pepper on stuff. I really like pepper. I think it's a great spice. 
Uh, but the problem is it's hard to find pepper when you're out and about, you know, traveling, uh, going to restaurants. Sometimes they don't have, you know, or if they do, they have like a little tiny pepper shaker that you have to shake like a billion times to get any amount of pepper on. I mean, I like pepper and I like fresh ground pepper. So this uh, Vic Firth pepper grinder is a portable pepper grinder that you push like your thumb and it grinds pepper and you can keep it with you anywhere. <laughs> no way. This is portable from the picture. kind of looks uh, like it's that's cool. I get the feeling that you're supposed to pump it. Uh, well, let's let's see. Let's look at our, it. Cause, oh, so, so you the, could take this like maybe backpacking or something or camping or uh, to your So to it work stands with six your... inches high. So it's half a foot high. Okay. So that's pretty small. Uh, yeah, you could take it backpacking. The I, the article I read it was from a blog called Cool Tools, which I get a lot of geek tools from. Uh, the the person talking about it said that uh, that she loves pepper so much and takes this around with her, like her grandchildren call her like the pepper mama or something like that. <laughs> so that's I thought cute. that's a great fit for me. You, they also make a salt grinder if you want to bring salt and pepper with you everywhere. Um, I'm not as hardcore about salt, and usually you can find salt, but I love pepper. So for only eighteen dollars, you can get the link to it in the show notes. It's the Vic for the Pump and Grind Pepper Mill. Uh, thank you, Cool Tools, for finding that one. Let's get into our web apps. The first one I want to talk about is really cool. Uh, it's kind of a web app, but it's a bookmarklet. So you know, we usually throw those in the same category. Um, what this is is a really cool little bookmarklet. It's called Visual Event, and what it does is you put it in your bookmarklet bar, and then when you're developing, you click this bookmarklet and what it does with javascript it goes through and finds all the elements with like a with like a you know a, 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 what would you call it a, a click event associated to it uh, or you know um any kind of event right any kind of event so like you know uh let's see here um let's go to agile task right the click visual event uh, on the home page and you can see that like at the front we have uh, different events. But the cool part about it is, you know, if an object has an event, it puts these little icons to it and gives you sort of indications of what the event is. Mm. And then you hover over it and it'll show you the function that actually happens when you click that event. Well, that's very helpful when you're debugging and trying to figure out why things are disappearing or sliding or moving. Or... <laughs> right. So like, you know, we do a lot of, uh, um, you know, a lot of Ajax type stuff with Agile Task. And, uh, sh you know, the Firebug debugger, uh, Rob Lund, our buddy, has shown me how to use that recently. We were debugging some JavaScript, so I really got comfortable with that. And it's good. Um, but sometimes like that's a bit overboard to set like a breakpoint and then go to that mm -hmm. breakpoint when you click an event. This is just a quick way to, you know, see what the, you know, what function gets triggered when you click this event. Uh, so it's really cool. Like the watch now button on the Agile Task homepage, I can see that uh, there's a function when you click that that uh, triggers um, a mixed panel event. Ooh, who would have thought? And then loads the URL so that you can get the mixed panel event triggered in time. Looks like it would be a great tool for web developers looking, uh, you know, trying to reverse engineer, kind of look at other people's website uh, and see how it kind of how it's how it ticks, you know, how yeah. it's put together. It's absolutely uh, great for that too. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just funny. I think the debugger, you know, in like Fire, in Firebug is very powerful, but sometimes it definitely is is overkill and I think kind of a pain in the butt to use. Even now that I finally have uh, had someone really show me how to use it. Um, so check it out. Uh, the link is kind of a, a long, it's, you know, spiremedia.co article slash visual. Check out our Get the link uh, for it in the show notes, then put it up in your bookmark bar. If you're a developer, you'll probably keep it there because it's pretty handy. The next web app I want to talk about I thought was pretty cool. It's called opensignalmap.com. Uh, and what it really is is just it's, it's sort of like an open um, source of cell phone data. 
Uh, and, and it's in beta and it's data is definitely not comprehensive, but like, so you can put in your address and what it will show you is what it has had recorded from its users, I think is where it gets most of its data is like the towers for each network in your area. And then you can also get a heat map if you want to see sort of signal quality and stuff. But I think, you know, this is really cool, but you're like, well, this is kind of useless, except for, I think the really cool part is how they, how to add data to it is to download their Android app, and they're coming out with an iOS app, and what that does is collect the data around you and send it to these guys so that you can get, you know, it's like an open source uh, group of data on on cell phone signals and tower locations. This is very cool, especially if you're traveling, you know, if you're doing some outdoor stuff where the towers are sparse and you kind of want to know what, you know, what, you, you know, is around. You know, I, I live in a fairly small town, and I pulled it up, and there's four towers around me, and I know for sure that one of these is pretty accurate because that's... Um, where it shows up on my phone and things. Uh, so this is really cool. I like that it's open, and I'm sure I bet they probably have an API even. Uh, yeah. It's I mean it's it's a mashup too. It's on Google Maps and right. it shows little icons of the carrier, like it shows Verizon. Uh, that's another thing too. If you if you're good to move to a smaller town or a town somewhere and you want to know what you know what cell service is available, uh, like you know, looking on here, it would say it would it would tell me that. Verizon is is the one to go for my town, which is which you know is correct. true, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and and cool. that's kind of how they framed it when I first read about this. Was like, well, if you're trying to figure out what carry you want or where you want to, but I think it's just useful information. Anyways, you're right. Like, I just went to State College, PA, and uh, the data has been reported there so far. It looks like Verizon is doing very well, which makes me happy because I'm going to be there for a week and I'm going to need my mm-hmm. 3G uh, while I'm down there. So. Uh, check it out, opensignalmaps.com. If you can, download the app and help them get some more data because uh, I know I'm going to be doing that because it's totally useful. And the problem is what you get is, uh, do you remember You know, for a while there, there was uh, AT&T commercials. They were really fighting with Verizon about the best coverage. You know, And it was funny mm-hmm. because um, one thing we did know was that in the commercial, he mentions Bozeman, Montana, which anyone who lives in Bozeman knows that AT&T coverage used to be, at that time especially, was terrible. It's gone a lot better now because AT&T is sort of officially <laughs> yeah. rolled into town. But at that time, it was miserable, like terrible coverage. And it was funny because they're like, you know, we have coverage everywhere. And like they mentioned Bozeman, Montana, and everyone in town was like, what are you talking about? This is the worst <laughs> signal ever. So this is an unbiased source reported by users, you know, as unbiased as that can be, like maybe more Verizon users, just whatever. Download the Android app, or and they're coming out with iOS soon if you have it. Get it. Help them get more data and help make this nice, cool, open map of cell phone signal useful to people. Sweet. If you guys have some news, a follow-up, or web application you want us to look at, go to faceoffshow.com slash feedback. We'd love to hear any show idea you guys have. You can email us, tweet us out. We're at faceoffshow. Uh, love to hear from our listeners. Please do that. Okay, so... Uh, th- I want to thank our second sponsor, which I'm glad uh, our old friend Mark Sanborn's here because it's Rocket Ship It. It is the complete web-based multi-carrier shipping solution. Uh, Mark, you you got some big things in the works right now. I think what I've heard, you've been working on it a lot, so people need to stay tuned, right? Yeah, most of the features, you know, time, you know, tracking rates and all that stuff has been done for a while, but we're uh, really looking to expand into other languages like Ruby and and things like this. Uh, right now, it's only offered in PHP. Ruby's coming out soon and uh, some other cool features, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right, so let's get into our topic this week, week which I'm really excited to talk about because I've been hearing a lot of rumblings about it, so I I, uh, I sent out our own Mark Sanborn to research it up and, and tell us a little bit about it. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about CoffeeScript. Uh, and if you can remember, when, uh, you know, I believe we've talked about on the show Hamill and Sass and, and sort of this concept of 
a, a language that's easier to understand and a little more clear that compiles into another language that we have to do that is more, you know, kind of a pain in the butt. Like Haml is great. It's really easy, uh, looks great, and it compiles into like, you know, HTML, which can be pretty messy compared to Haml especially. So CoffeeScript is kind of the same thing, right, Mark? Yeah, and usually the goal in mine is to reduce, you know, time it takes, make make uh, it easier on the programmer to develop and not have to type it the same stuff over and over again. Uh, so that's kind of what CoffeeScript is. It's, you know, as of March 16th, it was the most watched project on GitHub. Wow. It's It started de December 2010. So it's, I mean, it's only a few months old. It's really rapidly gaining some some speed there. Uh, it's very, it's, so it's a Ruby and Python inspired language uh, that compiles down to, and this is important, readable and lint compatible JavaScript. So okay, that's great. It's going to be, so, so you know, kind of like you mentioned with Haml, you, you, you know, you're, you're writing in, in, you know, the Haml language, but when you actually go to release your site or whatever, it's actually just regular CSS because that's what the browsers know. You know, the browsers don't know Haml and we can't expect our users to, uh, you know, install a Haml plugin. So what they do is they take an, you know, they try to take a language like JavaScript and make it, uh, you know, have the Ruby and Python style. Like for example, uh, JavaScript, you have to have all the curly braces and stuff. Mm -hmm. So an example there with um, uh, CoffeeScript is they take that away and they 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 borrow from, let's say Python, uh, the white space indention to mark, you know, what's in right. inside, you know, instead of a curly brace. Right. Uh, for example, but when you go to compile it down, it's actually just regular old JavaScript, you, and, and it's readable JavaScript. It, does, it doesn't make like a big giant blob of JavaScript that's like on one line, like minified. <laughs> right, or like minified. It's actually uh, a pretty, um, you know, they call it a, like pretty print or whatever, where it's uh, right. tabbed out and everything. Right, like it tries to use, it uses the same sort of variable names that you use in CoffeeScript, so it doesn't just use like... Uh, like, you know, variable A through, you know, F or yeah. whatever as it can. You know, like you, you know, if you use the word, the variable square or something, you'll see square in the in the end result. And that's important, especially when you start, you know, trying to debug your, totally. your uh, app. <laughs> um, so uh, CoffeeScript claims to reduce the number of lines needed to write the same thing uh, by a third. So you would use one line of CoffeeScript for every uh, three lines if you were to hand write the JavaScript. Mm -hmm. Um you know who's using it? Uh, Thirty-seven Signals is is using it in production. The Ars Technica reader for the iPad was written in it, yeah. uh, which is an, also an important thing to note. This is compatible with all the um, plugins like jQuery or MooTools. Mm -hmm. You know any of the frameworks, any of the plugins that go along with it. You can use it with Node.js, and the reason for that is because it actually compiles down to regular old JavaScript. So. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're writing an app that's going to be on the iPad and you want to write it in JavaScript, you can actually use CoffeeScript. Uh, the other thing, too, is people often get concerned with performance, you know, because this is kind of like writing a programming language on top of another programming language. Right. Um, they, they claim that, you know, it's, it's as fast as, like, handwritten JavaScript or faster. Um, well, because it's link compatible, and, too. I mean, that's, you know, it, that's sort of like one of the things that, you know, usually that stuff you know, anyways, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's bottom line, it's going to end up being just regular old JavaScript. You can mm -hmm. minify it and all that to reduce space, but, uh, you know, it's going to be readable, regular old JavaScript. 
Um, some of the advantages, is it, you know, it removes some of the noise, kind of like Hamel does with HTML. You're not typing curly braces over and over. Uh, things like, you know, like Ruby and Python people uh, started to love that actually, you know, when they started writing programs, mm -hmm. um, which makes those languages popular. Uh, it adds keywords, classes, and features uh, like here docs. So mm -hmm. you can have, you know, you can have automatically generated documentation. Uh, you know, which makes coding cleaner and more enjoy enjoyable from the programmer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, it's said to be fast. You know, CoffeeScript is going to end. I mean, the whole goal, like Hamel and, and SAS, is to get make it easier on the programmer and make it faster to develop. Uh, right. You're typing less. You know, if you're you're typing one line of code to three of handwritten JavaScript, it's going to be faster. Um, I mean, the the downside there is you will have to learn yet another uh, framework. But I think, especially in the JavaScript community, we're used to that. Like jQuery has totally made our lives so much easier. I mean, I remember before that, JavaScript uh, was just a total pain. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, frameworks like jQuery and MooTools have have made JavaScript, especially you know, like cross compatible or cross-browser issues just, you know, so much easier. Yeah. Um, and CoffeeScript, you know, is, is aiming to make it even easier. It, 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 they tried to use only the good parts of JavaScript. Mm -hmm. um, I think you went to um, the guy that wrote the book. The, the Douglas good parts Crockford. I did. I went and saw yeah. Douglas Crockford who wrote JavaScript, the good parts. And he talks about that. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's why he wrote JS Lint was like, you know, it, if you run stuff through JS Lint and it says you're okay, then you're only using the good parts, not the bad parts. And he, he made it so, clear there's a lot of bad parts. So uh, you can be sure that CoffeeScript is going to be only using the good parts of JavaScript to compile the, or, you know, with the compile code will be only the good parts. Um, some potential downsides, uh, looking at comments on people, you know, that were trying to use CoffeeScript, the only downside really that people were mentioning, uh, were that it, it could be potentially harder to debug since you have to look at JavaScript that you didn't actually write because you, right. you're, you know, you're going to be writing in CoffeeScript and once it compiles out, if you have to go look at that hand, you know, that code that it generated, It'll, little, it'll be a little bit harder because you didn't actually write that code. Right. Um, but that said, a lot of people did say that they haven't ran into the issue yet. So um, I think, you know, uh, another potential downside too, I know, uh, you know, our friend Rob is looking at it and the one thing he wasn't very happy with is uh, it does require, if you want to use it on the command line, it does require node.js. So, I mean, you could run it, you can, the cool part, okay, so CoffeeScript apparently is written in CoffeeScript, which is crazy. Uh, but, um, you know, like they have a pure JavaScript compiler. So like I can load the JavaScript compiler in the browser and I can write CoffeeScript and it'll spit out regular JavaScript. Now that a lot of times if you're using like a full framework, like rails and stuff, you have to have something on the command line to compile it and spit it out. Right. You don't, you don't really want to do that at runtime. You don't want your JavaScript to compile and then run all that J, J, uh, JavaScript at runtime. So you want something on the server to compile it when you run your server or when there makes changes that does require node.js because it is written in JavaScript. Uh, and I know like Rob, you know, he develops in Windows and like they're like, well, if you want to install node.js in Windows, probably use Sigwin. And he's like, that's not, nah, I don't like that, you know. And mm -hmm. I can understand that too. Like if you're, you know, developing in, in Rails, that's another sort of technological thing you would have to have on there. You have to have node.js installed and running functionally so that it can compile your .coffee to .js for you. Yeah, totally. Especially if you're doing a custom project that's, you know, written in, let's say, Ruby, but not necessarily Rails. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd have to kind of make your own. Totally. Uh, you know, every time I press this button, it needs to compile the JavaScript and put it into this file so that I don't, you know, every time I make a change, I don't have to go do this by hand. Mm -hmm. um, 
I did see that uh, on Stack Overflow, somebody was actually actually asking the same thing, like, why do I have to use Sigwin and, and all this? And they do actually now have a Windows compiler that uh, awesome might be an option. Awesome, we should link uh, to that because I know the show that notes. would be frustrating to have to, you know, launch Sigwin and, and type a, <laughs> you know, install. Yeah. And all that. Um, so that might be something to look into. Yeah, and um, but you know, as it gets more you know, useful, it, you're going to see more plugins and more ways to do it. I mean, I'm sure at some point. You know, I mean, really, as as the CoffeeScript language gets more sort of ratified and doesn't change, then it'll it'll be more compelling for people to make like a Ruby compiler to compile it, or you know, a pure JSON com- or a pure uh, Python compiler, so that you don't have to run Node.js if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. So that's CoffeeScript uh, in a nutshell. I, you know, I, I I don't I still don't think it's like an excuse not to learn JavaScript. I think you should still learn JavaScript. Um, I, in fact, I think if might... you don't know JavaScript, this will be really hard to use. It'll be yeah, very it'll probably... very hard to use. I think you know, like when you look at it, it is a language you have to learn. It's you know, Hamel. I felt like Hamel was very sort of you know really easy to learn. If you know you know HTML, which is really easy, it's really easy to hop into Hamel. I look at CoffeeScript and, you know, it's a little bit, you have to sort of know a little bit about, you know, it's not like a non-programmer can learn HTML and then learn Haml. You really have to kind of have done some JavaScript to really hop into CoffeeScript and understand it. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're um, debugging, like you're saying, you can't just be like debugging and then like, wait a minute, this isn't what I wrote. What's going on? The other potential downside is it, it is really, really new. Um, and, you know, there's always that where you don't know the potential downsides right. like Hamel, for instance, it's like, Oh, this is so great. I, I don't have to type very much, but then you're like, wait, how, how do I copy and paste code into it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then they like, you know, they, and then as it matured, they have more tools like you can convert regular HTML to Hamel. Right. Um, I'm sure somebody will probably make something where you can convert regular old JavaScript into coffee script so that you can a reverse compiler. Know. Yeah. That would, yeah. yeah. Cause like Hamel, that made it pretty useful. It, it came with that out of the box. Like I could throw HTML at it and it could spit out Hamel. Um, yep. And this, you know, it's new and it's it's just bound to change. And a lot of people don't like that. Like that's, I know a lot of people don't really develop in Ruby on Rails because it is very active and moves very fast. Uh, mm-hmm. So you might write some CoffeeScript that in four months might not work with the newest version of CoffeeScript. And, and if you're not, you know, into that, that can be a big problem. Yeah. So check it out. It's uh, the link is it's a GitHub uh, account. Just search for GitHub for CoffeeScript or you can get the link to it from our show notes. Check it out. CoffeeScript, pretty cool. I'm glad to see, you know, um, especially since I went and saw Doug Crockford. And he actually, someone asked him and they said, uh, they asked what he thought of CoffeeScript. And he was he was very uh, impressed with it and he liked it and thought that it had a, a good future. Um, so at least, you know, Doug Crockford is behind it. That wraps it up for this episode of Face Off. If you haven't done so yet, go to faceoffshow.com slash subscribe to subscribe to our show. Get your shows uh, uh, delivered to you automatically. You know, who, who doesn't love automation? It's, it's a wonderful thing. You can also leave feedback for the show by going to faceoffshow.com slash feedback. Tweet us out. Send us an email. Uh, yell at us uh, in a chat room or anything. Let us know. Thank you for listening to the show, and we will see you guys next week. 